Hello, everybody. Episode wow. 11. Episode 11, mate. What the fuck is that that happening here? Yeah? Oh, I know every week we say, who would have thought and not me, but fuck me, man. Yeah, so, Teddy Flower here. Yeah? We have me, COB. And we're joined this week by Philly McMahon, Dublin legend. Um, has great stories to tell us, coming in with a great story and yeah, stuff like but, that. Yeah, well, if, if he gets here. That's if he gets here. The little cunt is running late, so... Um, yeah, we're not happy about it, but listen... Yeah. We'll Hardest man we'll... in Ireland to get a hold of. Oh, don't even talk to me you know about what I mean? it. Like, he forgets himself. You yeah, know? he forgets himself, this fella. So when he comes in, he's going to get a noisy clatter off his poor end. Just bear with us, you'll be here in about 10 minutes. We just had to kick it off with Ireland, right? It's not bad anymore, the fella forgets himself. Yeah, that's, what, that's what's wrong. We need his passport to get down to this neck of the woods. But anyways, moving on. Polls from last week, everybody. Does a straw have one or two holes? Calvin's passionate that it has two. I think it has one. Um, <sighs> Everyone's googling it and all, and looking up mathematicians and this, that, and the other, and like the, the product is zero and all. <laughs> First of all, you don't even know what the product is zero means, right? <laughs> you are sending me articles that says it has one hole and sometimes zero holes. What is on about? If you put your, you have a straw, yeah, it has two ends, it has yeah. a hole at each end, Terrence. Yeah. You can put a straw upside down no matter what, it does the same thing, yeah? yeah? If you take a straw and you put your finger over one end, how many holes has it got? Mm. You're taking one hole out of the equation. So, you have zero holes then? So, if you look at it like a tunnel, this is yeah. what I always looked at. So, and I walk from one end of a tunnel to the other end of the tunnel. I would say I walk through one tunnel, one hole. No, yeah, but it has two entrances. Ends, but it's one hole. But technically two ways in. Yeah, listen, right. right. What, was the, what was the results? The results are, because we could sit here and literally just go on about this all day. So the results are, a straw, one hole, 45%, 55% of people said two, two holes. holes. So majority of people yeah, are Yeah, listen, you're going to take the W on this I'm one. I'm taking the W uh, there. I'm not happy about it, but so look. We'll move on to the next one. So this one stemmed from the whole potato, potato thing. So we <laughs> say potato, not, not potato, so potato. Uh, yeah. For everyone that reached out to us and be like, no, I call it a, a Badira and like we're spelling it a different way. What way did we spell it? B A D A Y R A. And they were like, no, it's B A T. Yeah, yeah look at it. it's it's Badira, no matter what other way you spell it. That's all yeah. you know. That's so, It's Badira. Yes. But anyways, the people came back. We need to realise that we have an awful lot of coaches listening to us. And you it's tell. 60% Badera, 40%. How the fuck is that? How have we allowed the people, 60% of the people, to vote potato? But Who says potato, Irish, bro? We're Irish, mate. That's, it's the Irish people. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, we're not going into that same country, Give us a potato. Yeah, but this country was founded on the backs of the potato. That's as no, simple as that, you know no, what I mean? I and anyone who calls it spuds is a culture. And that's no, you're, you're, a, culture, you're, that, you're a farmer. If yeah. you say spuds, that's a farmer. Yeah, well, it's got the neck off, you're a clatter. But, um, yeah, no, I'm not happy about that one. Um, I think if we had it spelled Bedera different and people sort of understood, I yeah. don't think it's stupid, but if, if they had it understood a little bit better, that would Look, smoke. it's not a real word. We get that, but it's yeah. how we say it. It's you know how we say it. So how, how can you 
Say, oh, this is how you spell it. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, I'm getting that. Right, the next one for last week is a word for a fella to use filters on their stories. We got some serious messages about this. Serious we messages. We won't even go into detail because there was a, it was getting heated. Yeah, um, I, I said that it's not weird because no one will ever question a girl. No one will sit around and go, oh, look at that girl using that filter on a story. Yeah. So why would we question when a fella does it? So I think it is an equality thing and I do think it's ridiculous. And in the voting, more, there was more fellas voting saying yes that it's weird than there was girls or that. Like yeah. that. So I think it was just fellas thinking that they're little manly men that look yeah. good. That, that, that's feminine to be using. Yeah, so, so it's weird. Oh, but unless the people have their opinion. but that's, that's why we have the polls. That's why the polls are here. So, but 61% of people said it was weird for a fella to use yeah. a filter. 49% of people said that's it's still not. a lot saying that's not weird. So it's, it goes to show, like, yeah. it's a society we're going that way. And there's thousands of views on each of them, like, saying yes and no, there's thousands of views on each yeah. of them, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so it's not a small margin, like, it's a no. lot of people. Uh, right, zingers for this week, mate. <laughs> now, here we go, folks. You need to bear in mind with us, folks. We appreciate everyone that reaches out to us, we're the zinger, because it gets fucking hard as the weeks come on to come up with new ones. Yeah, it is. And we're on episode 11, and we're doing two and three a week, so yeah. we're up into the 30s with the zingers here, yeah. so bear in mind with us. Uh, another thing I need to correct as well before we move on, Terence, last week I said the best pizza in Dublin was El Capo on Talbot Street, and a few people called me out immediately yeah. because I was one who said... The best pizza is Mimas. It's a new spot on Parnell Street where the yeah. lowest stop is. It's a whopper little spot. It's just a shame. It's been closed down about four times this year. Last year even. Because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. They do the nicest pizza in Dublin. Mimas Parnell Street. Chef special. Tell them Calvin sends you. It's for all your That's how like a plug, Calvin. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, listen. Home, listen, when they open back up, they want to sort of stuff. <laughs> I'll be waiting But this that. week, I have a decent one here. Someone said it. Right? Yeah. So chicken wings. Yeah? Yeah. When you get a bowl of chicken wings, what do you rather? The drumstick or the wing? Is that the fat one? Yeah, like the two yeah. pounds in it. I like a little fat wing. Now the the wing is the better one, isn't it? Oh. I, don't, I don't mind the drumsticks, but I like the wings. Oh, like, I like the gelding. Oh, I'd be eating the pounds. And oh, I, like I, I strip it. I put it in my mouth and pull it out. <laughs> it's just the meat is gone. Like, I swear to God. Yeah, you want to see it? It does be carnage when I get a bowl of chicken wings. <laughs> oh, I love you. I Everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, caught me high, bro. So, the wing or the drumstick? Yeah. Which wing? I go with the drumstick. That's the fat one, yeah? No, the wing is the fat one. Oh, right. The drumstick is the leg. Oh, right, yeah, no, well, then take the wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah take yeah, the wing. Yeah, yeah I'll go with the, well, the, the wing as well. Yeah. Are you going with that as well? I'll go with that as well. Right, that's called the jinger. Right, we'll put that one out there. Um, my jinger is, now this one, right, I'm going to say it to you. So, so it's bacon. Do you call it bacon or do you call it rations? Now, I had a lot of people texting and suggesting this one, and then people are saying that two different things and stuff like that. They're not two different things, they're the same thing, they're just different parts of the pork. Oh, is that? The pig. The word the pig. Yeah. yeah the so, pig. Different cuts of meat, basically. Different yeah. cuts of meat on the same thing, like, you know what I mean? So, it's the same. It's, years ago, it was called rashes of bacon. Do you know what I mean? So, it's, it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. So, um, in your household, or when, where you grow up, what do you always call it? Bacon or rashes? Yeah. It's, it's rashes all day. It's rashes, yeah. It's I'm, I'm still adamant that they're two different things. <laughs> Like, when you go out and you get bacon, they're the long streaky ones. Yeah. And then a rasher is like the one that they're like fat at the top but of the But I think you get long streaky rashes also. I don't know. 
Well, man, listen, if you call it bacon in Ireland, yeah. you want to go off on it. You know what I mean? These are them people who call it a fucking sofa. And sport, ah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, bacon so, or rasha. Bacon or rasha. Rasha for the win. That's yeah. a fact, mate. Not, yeah, I think that's going to be a high percentage of the same rasha. Yeah, I definitely think it's rasha for the win. Unless the cultures come out, that's ribs. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So. Well, the dear, dear zingers, let's ask Philly. Philly, oh, wait, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, if he doesn't come in with a zinger, Right, <laughs> zinger on the back of the year. <laughs> After leaving us, mate, he's late in and he has to fuck off as well. Yeah. So if he doesn't come in with a good zinger, who does he think he is? Honest to God, look, he, what I mean? he plays a bit of guy, get over it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking agent. Yeah, thinks he's just a celebrity. That you know what I mean? Come doesn't make a washer out of guy. Well, anyways, moving on to the next singer. These as these as English suggested to us though. This, so, right? so these this one annoys me, mate. Go on, take us into the force uh, from there. The force from there, <laughs> yeah. They, now these are just suggested ones to us because right, we are in friends, so I'm running out of ideas with them. So if you're thinking of good singers, whack them into us and we'll tell you. This force one has a word and we don't know. Cousin or cousined. With a T at With a T at the end. Now we don't know a lot of people that say cousined. Yeah, but, but they, they can't speak properly, bro. They have speech impediments. <laughs> no one turns around and says, oh, you call her a cousin, you're a weirdo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd agree. Do you know what I mean? But I see <sighs> that, I see, because like, we obviously get sent uh, zingers every single week and I do see that when I lock them up. Oh, it has come up a few times, cousin, yeah. Cousined. And I'm like, what? Look, it's, what do you mean? There's no like, way you can pride yourself and say, no, I call him my cousin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know I mean? You're not going to say it with your chest. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to say it in a room full of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. You'll be laughed at. About 22 heads. Yeah, you'll be laughed at. Yeah. So, listen, we'll put it out there just because it's suggested so much and whatever. And we're scraping out. the bottom of the barrel here. That's what it is. Yeah, literally. Right, this is another one. And I think I only, this one kind of only grew because of Instagram and people watching like uh, the Kardashians and shit like that. Yeah. So, you know, even, not even on holidays, on holidays and when you're in the gym, you know the things that you wear getting in out of the pill or in out of the shower? Yeah. What are they called? Tinky sliders. Sliders. You call them sliders? Yeah, Mate, bro. the flip-flops, for fuck's sake. Ah, bro. The flip-flops. Tinky sliders. When someone getting a big stutter, take that flip-flop out of your mouth. Yeah, it's yeah. a flip-flop. See, flip-flop just walks like they're roasting to one of them. I think we grew up with flip-flops and now people are seeing this shit online saying, oh no, they're sliders, this, that, and the other. It's a flip-flop. Get over yourself. <laughs> right, real quick there. I don't know what we're at the minute talking about, but um, yeah, Philly's at the rocking in. <laughs> Into the gaff there now to have a chat with us. How are you, Philly? Yeah, it's all nice now, but betches are bleeding slightly. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have a bad word to say about you, mate. Not a bad word to say about you. Just I just want to call something out. You committed empty handed. Yeah. I did. Well, I brought a bottle of water, but You could have brought a fucking all oil medal or something. There's plenty of them. Where's your gift? I'll tell you what, the fees are paying for doing it, but anybody that's listening to me, these lads pay great fees. So, Robbie Kane, if you're listening. Right, um, real quick there, Philbert. Uh, what do you call the sliders or flip-flops? Uh, flip-flops. Shams call them sliders. That's yeah. childish, I think. Yeah. Now, but listen, what listen, the he's, a, he's a man of the people. He <laughs> is a man of the people. He is a man of the people. Boy. So look, listen. Philly, moving on to the next one. I have another quick question for you. Real quick, yeah? Do you piss in the shower? <laughs> only, only when I'm, only when I'm uh, at training. 
Oh, so you do want to change? So if any lads are pissing me off in the, in, on the pitch, I'll piss on them in the shower. Right, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, at, there's two types of people in this world, yeah? Go for it. People that piss in the showers and lawyers. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I look at it. I, I would agree It's actually that. eco-friendly to be pissing in the shower. You well, know see, what I mean? Yeah. Your answer can be smart. You can either say you, you do or you don't. You know? yeah, well, yeah, I, I yeah. piss in the shower. Yeah. I piss in the shower. I piss in the now, shower. Now, you're twin. No, sometimes you don't need to have a slash. You're going in the water, hitting, you're like, bollocks. You yeah. don't want to go right there and have a... You just fuck it. Have a slash, innit? Yeah, like, I mean... You have done it. I, I think my man and dad brought me up right not to be pissing in the shower. He's an absolute You're from Bally Mood. Are you joking? Are you joking? Are you joking? Are you joking? you joking? Are 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 you joking? Well. <laughs> right, uh, Philip, real quick as well, while we're here, yeah? Um, does a straw have one or two holes? Oh, the silver. Yeah, I think it's one. Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that now. He doesn't now, but the polls are last week, so we put that out there on the polls, yeah? Now, there's fucking thousands of people voting on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 45% of the people said one, and 55% of the people think there's two holes. One yeah, hole, isn't it? Think about it. It depends. Like, so what straw, do you mean it depends? straw is used for... Obviously, drinking liquid. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, where you put your mouth is the entrance of the hall. Okay. What yeah. are you getting all philosophical about? Yeah. That's what we did last week. Yeah. What? So we <laughs> listened. That we listened. listened. <laughs> so, so, so the liquid that comes through the other end, yeah, it wouldn't be a hall. It's coming through. Obviously, it has to come through. Yeah. No. But so what does it come through then? How does the liquid get into the straw? Where does it enter? The, the other, the bottom hole. The bottom. No, yeah, no. bottom hole. Yeah. There's two holes. Call a hole if you believe it's two holes. It is two holes. That's just your belief. That is your belief. What's this a religion now? In my religion, we believe there's two holes in the straw. <laughs> in your belief, what are you believe talking about? Philly, honestly, mate, you're wrecking me. Put the air. It's two, just to keep them right. yeah. No, hang on. The be all, end all. Is it curbs or pats? Pats. That's all right. Yeah, I, yeah. I swear to God, I was hitting pause. Wrapping her up there and there. Yeah, it is Pat. That's uh, all right. Right, and you gaff there, Philly. Do you call it bacon or rashes? Rashes. Rashes yeah. all day. We'll get down to the yeah, serious shit. Into the serious business. This Sunday, Valentine's Day, lads. Yeah. Well, don't give me that look, Terrence. <laughs> and Philly, we can see the ring on your finger. <laughs> so, have you got the missus all sorts? Is what I want to know. Uh... Do you do Valentine's Day? It's in the plans. I'm yeah. trying to get yeah. stuff sorted. I know I'm a not, lot of people think it's like a novelty thing. Like, yeah. A lot of people don't do it. Now, what do you know? I'm like, 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 just tell me fucking days. Like, you know what I mean? Like, birthday, Valentine's Day, Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. You're like, you're like, you know what I mean? My wife Sarah now, she's, the, she's like, she wouldn't be being into, you know. Materialistic. Getting, yeah. yeah. But if you don't get her something, she'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can't win. You can't lose. <laughs> get her a card, you know what I mean? Yeah. But shout out to Veronica Ryan, uh, Flowers underscore Ryan on Instagram. Yeah. Best flowers in Dublin. Not just on Valentine's Day, but for all occasions. Funerals, birthdays, the lot. Give her a shout, lads. She sorted herself for this. Check them out. Bunch of flowers, like no, oh, you can't. Win, win. Yeah, and definitely not going hips once you got a bunch of flowers. Billy loves it. Billy loves it. Come local and all that. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get on board with them there. Right, moving into this week's topics. Right, I'm. 
Got myself into a bit of a pickle, George, the week, didn't I, Calvin? Sorry about him, everybody. Yeah, um. If you want to watch yourself, you could get called. I'm a brave man. I'll take it, will I, Terrence? Go on, take it away. And tell them what actually happened there, Calvin. Right, so what actually happened was every couple of days, well, every day me and Terrence stay in touch, but every couple of days we kind of plan ahead for the podcast. Who are we going to have on this week? Where are we going to deal with? What plans we have going forward on the Instagram page, etc. Yeah. Terence was lying in bed, flaked out, real easy going. And t- in my head, I was like, he's very quiet. There must be something wrong with him. But he's like, no, I'm just having a chill day, not doing that. I was like, no, bother. Now, I had to drop me young one home to my man's house. And I was coming back to watch the United match. So I flew out, flew back, in for the match, sat down, put the match on, checked my phone. Terence was going to pro ball. <laughs> right. And I was like, what happened? I literally I drove up the road and I drove back. How is he fighting a pro boxer? Yeah. So long story short, this fucking idiot, right? He does a bit of sparring and a bit of pads with his cousin, decides, but you know what? I'd batter him. Yeah. Deco Garrity. Yeah. Pro boxer, like. Yeah. Well, I'll call him out with a scrap, he says. Yeah, now listen, I was always a stupid cunt like that, wasn't I? I don't know how I got myself in. I was just bored in the gap, wasn't I? Deco sent me a message, asked me how I was getting on. I said, listen, if you want to try hard, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I love you straight now. Like, you have to ask me how I'm doing. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Don't chat me, even a good time. And but, then what does he do last night? Puts up on Instagram, any darts player out there want a match. Yeah, so keep up. Yeah, and darts. Oh, can you play darts, Lee? Because yeah. you looked at it, like, had a little twinkle in your eye there. It was for a few ball we can. Yeah, how much it's everybody. I'll <laughs> <laughs> well, put 200 quid cash on the table. Come here, no. Philly. You have the physique of a dark player. Out there, so I'm definitely not playing the table. Yeah. <laughs> you have the physique of a dark player. I do. Seriously. Keep her up, he's going to be calling Michael Phelps over a swim. Yeah. I got the 44, I'll give you a swim. But this fight with Deco actually just started off as a bit of buzz. I was just going to have a strength on live on Instagram. As soon as he's back in Ireland. But. Now I'm actually raising a good few bob. There's a company that they get on board. Yeah. So I'm gonna give a couple of hundred quid to Temple Street. Yeah. So the plan is we're gonna he's gonna fight Terence and then immediately after that he's gonna fight the Wheelow fella. Yeah, because Wheelow back Wheelow yeah. text Deco saying that I was gonna knock Deco out and then walk himself into it as well. Deco Tom is gonna break yeah. him up as well. So so the stipulation. So we all keep jumping on it, but it's like you fighting last. Are you gonna back me up as well? Yeah. Like, the, the whole lot of us do it. Love <laughs> <laughs> like, that. So the stipulation is every time it's only body shots for Deco, but Terence can hit him in the head and every time he puts Terence down, Terence has to do a forfeit. And it's everything like fucking shave his head, give him a mohawk, <laughs> go on a run in a mankini, all this shit. But Every round he survives, Deco's going to donate to charity. And now we're getting more companies on board to sponsor it. Yeah, so it's just going to be 50 quid if I can stay on my feet. And if I can stay up for the fight, it'll be 200 quid. Yeah. And then 10 goes for wheel up. But then companies are to reach out because they've got a lot of attraction, more than we thought. We thought it was just going to be a little knock, like you'd have outside the living room after a few points. Yeah. But uh, it's actually blowing up a little bit, so... Yeah, companies on board, a couple of hundred quid, go out to charity, you can't go wrong, I'll yeah, not be broke. I'll be very crack, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll so, be, I'll be uh, announced on the night, you know what I mean? Announce and commentate on the night for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay? let's get ready to tumble. Quite the a ringer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, man. In the shape of a darts player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's disgusted with that. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not not it's playing at his point. Are you a fitness instructor? 
boy profession. Yeah. Yeah, you could yeah. never know. Cold, we're in a lot of hoodies. Yeah, listen, don't trust the barber with a dodgy fade. Yeah. You don't trust this fucking business and truck there anyways. <laughs> never trust a man in a wheelchair with 30 runners. Right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Philbert. Philadelphia. He, he finally <coughs> came in, he got that label us weeks waiting, not yeah. only weeks. Hardest man in Ireland to get a hold of. The hardest you man. You swear you owed us money. You told us that much. Yeah, I'm telling you. But <laughs> he's here now, even though he was running late again. But uh, <laughs> it's all about you, Philly. Um, what's up with you? Where are you from? Tell us a bit about your upcoming. I'm from Ballymun. Sorry, there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so much is my not know is that actually a lot of people from Ballymun come from the inner city. Yeah, oh. now. But the, the, the hood rats stay in the inner city. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 that crater is from the Germans dropped a bomb on Dublin in World War II, mistaking it from Belfast, right? Right, right. Uh, Dublin bombs, yeah. Well, that's what happened. So the Germans compensated Ireland for that, I think, in the 70s or the 80s or something like that. And with that money, we built the towers in Ballymun. Brilliant, yeah. So all the socio-economic problems that you have growing up is because of Hitler. There you go, now. I'll tell you where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, overcrowded tenements in the inner city. Oh, right. it, look, it's not like, oh, oh yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, my dad, can your dad kind of thing yeah. going on here? Um, but basically, the inner city was overcrowded. So mm. Similar to the issue we have today with, with, the, with the housing and homelessness crisis. But basically, you're yeah, dead right about the connection with Germany. There was a complex over there um, that was rep- that bang was replicated off. And what happened was then... Um, actually had to be vetted to live in Bangamore. So you had one of the family members had to have uh, had to be employed. So it was a really good community when it was built, it was mm. beautiful, um, you know, it was it was the force of its kind here in this country. And um, what happened then, the big change was in, I think it was in nineteen sixty four, the government or the local council um, developed this grant where you get a, a five thousand pound at the time to buy your own house so there was a lot of people moving out to the barrack Dunhamid Talbot wherever and all, all the people that were left in Ballymun were people that didn't really have jobs or uh, you know single parents and there was actually a lot of um, institute, mental health institutes that were kind of shutting down and people were then being accommodated in Ballymun mm. So over, over time then what happened was Ballymun had a huge amount of trauma in the area. Yeah. And obviously drug dealers probably you know, didn't realise at the time, but when heroin hit the, the country, you know, it became a very lucrative area to sell drugs because people with trauma use drugs to overcome yeah. psychological pain. Yeah. And that's what happened. And so, so essentially Ballymun was ghettoised by the government. Yeah. yeah. It became a ghetto because the government Yeah, that makes sense, so, yeah. So I was um, I was very fortunate to grow up in the area. I, I loved it. Um, I got many gifts from it, and it's and shaped me life. You know, to where yeah. I am today. Did you grow up in the towers? Was your family? I'm from. I, I grew up in four story flats. Yeah. So um, as you drive the Ballymore Road, I grew up in Slough, 
and the next neighbouring community slogan was Glass Nevin. It was a big massive wall that separated both of those communities. So yeah. think of that. There was a wall that separated social class. Yeah. You wouldn't you'd see that from a religious point of view up the north to maybe you'd see it in Germany when the war was going yeah. on. Yeah. We had one actually separating social class. Yeah. That's fucking nuts that, isn't it? It's probably something that's not highlighted enough. And yeah. I know Chrissy Dignam actually said it himself, uh, when people were asking him about the difference between Aslan and U two mm. and he says you two live in a separate world to us. He says, they're from Glasnevin. Yeah. And I was like, that's mad, because like, he's literally a sound throw away from Essentially just down the road, like. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. he's had... It's two different it, worlds. Yes, you know what I mean? Two, two the crazy thing is, Glasnevin used to be Ballymore. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, so it was old Ballymore, it's called. Yeah. But basically, uh, they built up that wall up the up the the prices on the housing and that's it, isn't it? The, 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 a lot of middle class people moved into the area. You know? Yeah. So you grew up in Mon and obviously you went to school out there. I did, yeah. What were yeah. you like in school? I wasn't very academic in school. Um, I went to school a year probably younger than I should have. That'll tell you probably the reason my mum and dad wanted to be, get me out of the house, but, <laughs> but basically I went a year younger, so. I was uh, when I was in school. I was um, I was always messing. I was always a class clown. Mm. The teachers probably didn't, and I didn't really realize what I was doing. But because certain subjects I struggled with, yeah, I messed so I could get thrown out of class. Yeah, and the teacher would have felt that's the punishment. Kick him out of class. He's messing. But that's what you wanted. But that's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to basically, um, sh- not, you know, hide that I wasn't really mature enough to learn these these subjects, and that followed all the way through. To me, uh, the secondary secondary school, the same thing. So you went to secondary school then. Had you ever any aspirations of going on to college? No, I think a lot of young people, and probably still today, that live in Ballymun don't really aspire to go to university or think about college. Yeah. I played guy with Ballymun Kickham, so there was a cross-community uh, population in the club. You know, you had yeah, not everybody was from the flats. Yeah, yeah, kids from Glasnevin and, and from Ballymun, so... All those kids from last heaven, they were always kind of talking about leaving certain points and going on and doing courses. It's something that they've probably historically done in their family. Yeah. But for me, I just wanted to completely leave insert. That was a kind of a, an achievement. That was your goal yeah. sort of thing. So, so when I when I finished my leaving insert, I was only gone on 17 because I was born in September. Yeah. So I was quite young. So to keep the parents happy, I went and done a PLC course in, uh, in health related fitness and fingers. Yeah. In Clash It was the best thing I've ever done. Two years of a PLT course, first year I got a job um, in the industry working as a lifeguard out in Malhoyd. Mm. So it just gave me down two years to mature and then I went and worked in a couple of different gyms and eventually it led me to DCU, working in the gym in DCU, which which ultimately being surrounded by students and being comfortable in the university, which by the kids, you know, were right beside it. In, DCU was class. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it actually is. Yeah. And, um, you know, you wouldn't feel comfortable going into universities or around people that are, you know, students. So for me, that broke that barrier and definitely helped me along the way in the journey. So when you went to college, then what were your mates up there? <coughs> and your mates go down kind of the same route that you went down? Yeah, don't like I mean, so I hung around with two two groups of guys. Like so, uh, I grew up in four story flats, but hung around the eight story flats mm. up until the age of about sixteen. It would have been about. Maybe about 20, 30 lads that hung around up there, um, and they would have felt they would have followed the kind of same pattern that my brother and, and 
his mates kind of followed, which was experimenting with drugs, becoming drug dealers, committing crime. Um, like they used to, they used to get one of the. What they used to do is I'll give you an example. They obviously do the, the things that you you normally associate with antisocial behaviour or you know committing crime. But they used to get one of the younger lads, um, the smallest one, and four or five of them would travel around the country and they pop the tails. They coming home. They were coming home to the flats with tails and stuff, you know. So he yeah. popped the tail, put his hand on it, popped the tail. The three or four lads that were with him would be what you know, watching the security guards. Yeah. Mm. If the security guards grab him, they'd run in and grab the security guard and, and they gang it. And they come back with tails. And so <clears throat> you'd be so tempted to get involved in that because the money is there. Yeah. He didn't have much money growing up. Um, wasn't poor, but certainly didn't have the luxury of having that extra bit of cash. Yeah. So it was very easy to fo- follow that. But uh, I was very lucky that they pr- they didn't avoid me probably because I played sport, but also because of me brother. Like, cause yeah. Because I would have been happy with them. Um, but then at the age of 16, I kind of disconnected with that group and I started hanging around with a group from the four-story flats. And this group actually used to rob. So for them to go to the off-license to get a drink, they'd have to cross the eight-story flats. And we'd wait till they'd go over and get their their, uh, their drink. And then on the way back, they'd take her off. They'd take her off. These lads, these lads loved me hanging around with them because they'd stopped robbing us. Yeah. They'd, stopped, they'd seen me walking around. And is that because who your brother was? Yeah. Didn't know, yeah. Well, no, because they knew I was hanging They knew I was still friends with some of them. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So, yeah. so yeah. they weren't robbing them, the yeah. lads anymore because I was walking over and back with them. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but like some of my really good friends, like, I kind of feel a little bit. I never really spoke about it, but I kind of feel I kind of regret some, leaving some of my mates within that group because um, one one of my best mates was uh, didn't drink until he was probably 18, 90 and then went off the rails. You know? I see that yeah. happening so much as well. Yeah. It's like the late bloomers yeah. when they do start something mm. if it's drink, drink or anything like that. It's yeah. like they're playing catch up, the shackles yeah. come off and boom, they fucked their life up. Yeah, he went off. Yeah, he, he went, you know, Started drinking, then started taking drugs, and yeah. committed crime, then it was joy, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a common thing to happen as well, mm. you know what I mean? Luckily, you didn't get on that road. No, like, a, a lot of the lads, like, for example, one's in for murder at the minute, another Jeez. one's in for, was in for tiger kidnapping, a couple in for drug dealing. Um, and these are friends, these war friends of yours, yeah. at, at a time, at a point yeah. of time, mm-hmm. it's mad to see, like, where they can take it like you know what I mean like that's it's not so that. simple it's, like it's a, so simple yeah, it's, it's one fine, decision it's a fine line there well like look at the, the big problem we have is a lot of these lads of it's it's poverty like yeah they, 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 just, they just didn't wake up and create this kind of lifestyle it, yeah it was developed over time when we have this big social inequality gap that it's a lack of opportunity. Well, the opportunity for them is to sell drugs and make money through through that. And the only way to make money, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, like, I mean, there's no different to a kid in Black Rock looking and getting supports by his family or his father or his family business and going on and doing a degree and blah, blah, blah. A young person in, 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 this, in the inner city or the flats in Ballymun at that time was like, what is my opportunity in life? Well, there's a lot of fear in the area. There's a lot of crime because of drugs. So my way of, you know, feeling safe and feeling important is getting involved in drugs, exactly. selling drugs, getting support and, and security from the older group of guys or the, the, the local drug dealer. 
Yeah, and so I had this yoke on uh, on the Instagram page that could show did a question box and I had this conversation with a young fella that I know who would be brought up well enough like and would be in would be in an area of crime or that like that and tried to say to me that like growing up in an area like Black Rock or growing up in Ballymore or the flats or like that, it's the exact the same thing and there's absolutely no difference whatsoever. Like what would you say to that like, like oh like if you were to ask any academia in terms of sociology, they'd t- tell you the total opposite. Like it's, you start on an unlevel playing field when you grow up in a community that has poverty. Yeah. You don't have... You, it's, what he has learnt from his environment is supported in society. Yeah. yeah. What other kids in impoverished communities learn is not supported. It's against the law. Mm. So he's, he's already starting one step ahead. You know, it's not to say you should treat someone from a middle class to upper class any differently. No, but definitely. the problem is, you can't argue that we have a really big social inequality gap. Yeah. You know, when you look at Ballymore, for example, if I was to say to you, there was a community in Dublin that there was one billion spent on, and yet the drug culture hasn't changed. You'd probably go, well, where did the money go? Yeah. yeah. One billion. Yeah. One billion, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's incredible to think that. Yeah. So we, we are, you know, what I'm trying to do is trying to constantly chop away at that social inequality gap, constantly kind of look at ways that we can bridge that poverty and, and use my, awareness, my sporting profile to create awareness around it. Yeah, that's what I was sort of touching on with Calvin there previous before you come in and stuff like that was like, you don't have to do anything that you're doing like in yeah. terms of going around talking, going around spreading awareness, doing any of this. That obviously comes from bad personal experience with yourself, but like, it's unbelievable to see because like when you see people going into Mountjoy prison and doing talks to cellmates or people in there, it's usually somebody who comes from a background like they, they're qualified in that area yeah not yeah. experienced in it. exactly so, so they study it but don't go through it if that makes sense or something like that where you have a big sport profile like you can ride off into the sunset happy mm-hmm. you know what I mean do your personal training and have your high profile and stuff but you're choosing to go out and spread awareness which is absolutely unbelievable like you know but um, going back to when you were saying about your brother and stuff like that did you ever take drugs and you said your brother was taking drugs, did you ever go down that, ever touch anything? No, and I've been to flat parties where there's been drugs all over the table, you know, yeah. um, so I've been around it, like, but mm. again, I've seen the pain and suffering John went through, and the pain and suffering my mum and dad went through, and my sister, so I was very lucky to have a role model, people think, how could you have somebody that's a drug addict as a role model, but he basically pushed me in the right direction. Because you, you know? didn't want to? Well, the pain and, and the suffering uh, that I've seen him go through, I didn't want that. You didn't want to double on that. I used to hang around with John. He was seven years older than me. And I used to hang around with him so he wouldn't take drugs. Yeah. You yeah. know, so um, so that's... that. But the education we get around drugs is totally wrong. Like, 100%. Totally yeah. wrong. We actually had to talk about this because we knew you were obviously going to be on this week. Me and Terrence had our own discussion about it. And... How pe- like people look at drug addicts in society now, I think it's starting to shift, but it's too slow of a shift. Mm. It needs to be a lot quicker. 
you look at somebody and it's very easy. Like you, know, you see someone, I don't know, especially where I live, like Talbot Street, Abbey Street, and it's very easy for people to say, oh, look at that chunky. Yeah. But you don't realise that's actually like a human being. They're suffering. There's something. They have been, something has been took away from them somewhere along the line, or they missed something. And this is how they've ended up in the exact position they're in now. And I don't know whether that's from underfunding, under education, or just society. And I think it's them people are just another statistic and the truth to the wayside. Um, I think as well with the government, the people that were in power in the government now, I don't think are experienced enough with this subject. And I know you, you've been to Portugal, mm. and I don't know when that happened with me, but I shifted my attitude a few years ago. And I looked and I was like, Someone who's caught walking down the road with like a kill of gear or heroin or whatever yeah. shouldn't be prosecuted. Because mm. if you take that away from them, they can actually die if they don't get it. So yeah. they have an illness. Like they have a health issue. So why sh- what use is it? Oh, let's lock him up for possession of drugs. Right, let's say he gets clean inside, which is very rare to do. So I said it already. Your friends who are in there who have just come out and stuff like that and talk to people and... It's worse than that. Mm. Like, and they go, like, I have a friend who said he was up in court and he, he pleaded with the judge, said, please, like, lock me up, I want to go into the judge, and then I'm not out here, I'll be out with these bollocks out, and mm. he wanted to go away, and he said, he, he asked, pleaded with the judge to lock him up, and he'll, he'll try and get clean inside. He said, so when he went inside, the judge got made weeks or something like that, mm. just to get him in. And when he went inside, he said, it was, it was worse than that. He ended up drugs. worse. There was more drugs, more tablets, more ways of getting everything. Uh, and the reports coming back out. So let's say they do come out clean. Well, now they're coming out with a criminal conviction. So how are you expecting this person to go back up on their feet and, and change contri- their life? And a contri- contributing member of society when you're already putting a handicap against them of having a conviction. Yeah. For them having an addiction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm doing a research project at the minute. I can't speak too much about it, but it's, it's, it's based around um, a thing called ACES, which is Adverse Childhood, Experience, childhood Experiences. Yeah, it's about um, you experience some some sort of trauma when you're when you're younger, and that essentially in, impacts your choices to go down, let's say, a bad pathway in life. Like, so, if you were somebody that was sexually abused, or you were exposed to domestic violence, or alcohol, or drug abuse in the home, or you were bullied, racially mm-hmm. abused, anything like that, some sort of even trauma. if you didn't have a really good loving connection with your mother, mm-hmm. yeah, when you were born. Right, these are all. These will all give you these things called aces. And if you're four, if you've got four plus aces, you're highly likely to become a drug addict. You're highly likely to commit crime, have a child at a very young age. All of these things can happen. Right, so we know that. We know mm-hmm. that. That's that's a fact. That's scientifically proven. Some yeah. people will argue you can't. You can't predict people's lives. Like I would have had aces, but I didn't become a drug, de- yeah. drug addict or drug dealer or commit crime. But it's just violence. common, though. It's there's, common. There's a, yeah, there's a there's the a trend, kind of. The, the, yeah, there is numbers there that support it. Like, right? Yeah. So, so when we're talking about drug addiction, we can't forget mental health. Definitely. Right. Yeah. That's where it kind of really is the root cause of a lot of people we see that are drug addicts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That guy you were talking about, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. There's something psychologically in him that he needs to he needs to change. Yeah. Or impact if he's going to get off drugs. Yeah. Not prison. Prison won't get him off. No. Even when he thinks that. Yeah. That's where we are. So, of all the people in this country that take drugs, experimental drugs, only 10% of them become addicts. Right? That's very low. 10%, right? So, they're the ones that are struggling with mental health. 
They're the ones that are struggling with trauma. They're the ones that are coming from poverty. Um, so what will that tell you? So that'll tell you that air policy is based on uh, social class. It's a war on social class. So when we incriminate people for possession, it's based off social class. Our prisons are highly populated by people from working class communities yeah. because of drug-related crimes. Yeah. Not from... And there's drugs in all social classes. Yeah, Black drugs are discriminate. You know, anywhere... You, They're not exclusive. Anywhere yeah. in the country. It, it, so, and, and there's addicts in every social class. Yeah, well. definitely. It's just middle to upper class so, uh, social classes can actually deal with it better. They have better resources, they have better yeah. financial yeah. outcome for, for you yeah. know, people that are struggling. I think... Like not the colour cross you, but the way you identify that is if you look at someone from a, an upper class background, let's say they have a son who's addicted to cocaine, mm. what happens there? He's sent to probably to a rehab facility, a nice place. Yeah. Whereas you have someone from a working class area, he's, I don't know, let's say addicted to cocaine as well, but he's probably shown from the family because they actually can't support them or help them. They haven't got the financials, they haven't got the... Yeah. The resources, the resources yeah. then to actually yeah. help them. Well, I, so, get, I get it all the time. I get people ringing me that have a lot of money and go, "My son's struggling with addiction. Can you get him in ahead of, you know, this place in, in this recovery center? Can you get him in ahead yeah. with your connections?" I'm like, "No, yeah. because if my brother was on that list, I wouldn't want anybody jumping ahead." Lee Frog and him, exactly. exactly. That's so that's that. But that's yeah. that's what we are dealing with now. We have like in when we talk about drug policy, drug policy can change everything. Yeah, definitely. If you look at where it stemmed from, it stemmed from a prohibitionist country like America. Yeah, I couldn't even drink. It was a racial war. Mm -hmm. It was a racial war. So it started off with Hispanics bringing in um, marijuana. The blacks, African-Americans were bringing in cocaine. And then you had the Chinese bringing in uh, opiates. Yeah. Right? So it's a racial war. When they lost the war, with Al Capone being the the, 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 the uh, alcohol baron he was, um, and they, they legalised alcohol, they had to do something next. Mm. So you had lights of Nixon, the president, shouting the war on drugs, yeah. which was the wrong thing to do. And yeah. they've invested trillions into that, and still to this day, it, it, it's had an adverse effect. They regressed. If they legalised drugs in, in the US, 80 billion Itself. Yeah, I mean, it's actually it's gone that way now when you look at how many states have legalised marijuana and opioids are starting to become legal as well and so psychedelics. Well, opi- sorry, opioids are actually legal. They have a crisis. They haven't it's regulated so, that. It's legal in the UK. Yeah, well, but, they haven't regulated it. That's the problem. Well, see, that's the issue. When you look at Holland, who legalised weed, they, they've kind of done it the wrong way. They've done it like Ireland did with alcohol. Yeah. You know, um, all the, the, the gangsters and the mafia took over all the, the, the marijuana cafes. So you might as well be drug dealing. Yeah, yeah. So we, people always ask the question, if you legalise drugs, what will happen? First of all, anybody has fear of legalising drugs, it's the same fear I would have in that it's the harms. Yeah. Okay? It's the harms. So it's just dealing with it a different way. So some people might say, get more guards in the street, you know, uh, harsher uh, penalties for people that have taken drugs or drug dealers. But it, it's kind of, it's the opposite way. We need to take control of the drug trade. Exactly. In this country. Yeah. We, need, we need to take it back. I mean, because we did own it before. Like, yeah. like you could buy, in America, you, you know, years ago, you could buy a cough medicine or heroin in it. 
Yeah, you know, and only the only people that took oh, it were older women fucking... that were struggling with, with pain. They used to have cocaine in Coca Cola, and they Coca-Cola used to take Coca-Cola. your yeah. what? You used to put your medicine in the Coca Cola. So yeah. you go to the chemist, you get your bottle of medicine, you get a bottle of Coca Cola, so you could like dilute it. And, and cocaine is in a tea form. That's nuts, boy. The problem is like it's 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 such a lucrative business now. Yeah, you know it's what billions yeah. across the world you know? like everyone people are going to take drugs it's not, like that's a fact it's human nature yeah. we will take drugs yeah. as a society it's just how you deal with it then yeah and clearly in this country like we had a heroin epidemic in the 80s mm. and we're still feeling the knock on effects of that yeah well like I mean you'll have politicians kind of talking about the drop in, in heroin users and, but the next drug comes along but that's you know so like meth, heroin, meth hasn't yeah. touched this country so what then? Here's a, here's a good piece. Tell me the the most dangerous drug in the world. Heroin, no. Alcohol. Alcohol. Oh yeah, well yeah. Sorry? So alcohol is a drug. Yeah, right? it is. So, yeah. And and it's legalized here in this country. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Now tell me a drug that we have in this country that we've legalized that's working in terms of people not using the drug as much anymore. Don't know. So people go. When you legalise drugs, how do we do it? Mm. We already have an example of it. Cigarettes. We have more people now going into, like, uh, coming off cigarettes than actually smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we regulate it properly. When you were a young fellow, like, you would have went to the off-licence. You wouldn't have been able to get drink. Yeah. But you could have said to an older person, will you go in there and get that thing? So yeah. it was regulated. But, the, but you could walk five minutes down the road and buy heroin off some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the whole idea of regulating and controlling. Yeah. Switzerland have a, a legalized heroin program. And nobody's died on it. Yeah. In years. <clears throat> I think there's a fear. And I don't know whether this is instilled from authority and people like, I listen to the government, I listen to the police, or even in some cases, listening to the church that if you legalize drugs, instantly everybody's going to be wanting around like a zombie. Yeah. Fl- look at all, oh, everyone can get heroin. And it's not like that. I know for a fact tomorrow, and this was the, the number one uh, objection to the supervised clinics mm. that you could just walk in and take heroin. You're not going to get a stag party coming over from Penguin for the weekend saying, Come on, lads, come on, we all go in here and take heroin. Yeah, exactly. What, it's not going to happen. But that's what happens in Switzerland. You, you basically you, you, you say to the, wherever you're sitting down in front of them, you say, Oh, you have a problematic drug use and I'm taking heroin. They'll say, What heroin do you take? How much do you take? Take Come on in here. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure you don't go over those. And they give you and a clean you, When you're ready to come mm. off drugs, we'll wean you off and we'll put you on the program. Mm. Who, who, who are we as people to judge somebody, judge someone's choice whether they want to take drugs or not? Mm. Why, yeah. do we have, why do you think we have control over yeah. that? Yeah, they're going to do it either way. You know, like, they have something so deeply uh, hurtful inside them that the only thing that takes that pain away is this, this bag of heroin. They don't, like when you, when you look at it, Heroin addicts, they get to a point where they don't want to be there. They don't no. want to be heroin addicts. Yeah. This is the only thing that gets them out, get to, gets them over the cycle of the pain. So, mm-hmm. I just think we um, we've so much to educate the people here in Ireland. The world is changing. Yeah, There's so many countries now that are legalizing and decriminalizing, and the, the the numbers are there. When you talk about the worry and the fear of the floodgates open, so, first of all, some drugs have already that's that's already that's already happened. Weed is already socially accepted. Cocaine is already socially accepted. Yeah. So that's happened. So regardless of what people think in terms of legalizing drugs, that's happening here right now. The floodgates are opened. As you said, as a society, it's all right to smoke a joint or do a sniff or whatever, but you don't even know what you're smoking or sniffing. 
you know what I mean? That's when you buy alcohol, you have a volume. When yeah. You buy heroin, you have no volume. Yeah. yeah. And the fact is, when you buy when you get heroin on a legalized program in, in Switzerland, you know it's clean. Yeah, it's, it's not, not cement or yeah. rat poison or whatever. Yeah. Where your vein, the, the, the heroin addict's veins are gone. Yeah. In, in a couple of weeks because of it. And so it, it's regulated. It's safer. It's much. The numbers are shown. If you look at the decriminalized model in Portugal, um, some of the in terms of their teens, some of their, their numbers are unbelievable. 1.6% of 16 to 18 year olds uh, are experimenting with heroin. 1.6 yeah. is extremely it's low. Like, yeah. yeah, and that's only experimenting. Yeah, cannabis, cocaine, cocaine is down 50% <clears throat> portion for for youths. 50% have dropped only decriminalized drugs. Yeah. That's fucking it, mental, that is. How, like, this, this baffles me. How can you argue with numbers? Like, there's always pros and cons, and, and you can't really say that their model will exactly work here. Yeah. Because their model worked because not just because of decriminalization, but because the multidisciplinary approach they put on Manita. They put in so much work around rehabilitation, all the money that you, we, we would use uh, from incarcerating people or charging people or the courts being so busy was pumped into recovery. Yeah, exactly. Education was pumped into, it was pumped into the skills. Like, I don't know about you, but I didn't have an education around drug addiction no, in school. No, I don't think never. anybody does now. No, you club those in. They the youth clubs, definitely. I think that's only course. because the area that I was in, the youth clubs in that area, they know what's affecting us directly. Because everyone I know has a family member who's affected by addiction. Every, every single, single person. Every family. Including my own family. Yeah, every family in the inner city. Like, just, whether it's an uncle, a cousin, uh, even a second cousin, I suppose, yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody has so, someone in the family. Yeah. Ed, from an educational point of view, it's not territory. Like it's, as a deterrent. So education is one thing. Policy is another thing. Where I really, really strongly believe this country needs to up their game is supporting even more uh, young parents, uh, especially mothers. You know, give them every opportunity to be loving to their kid because. Again, that's a generation cycle. It's historical that basically if you've been treated the same way by a parent, yeah. there's a good chance you might bring some of them traits into your own parenthood. And, yeah. and that could impact that kid's aces. So it's like a domino effect kind of thing. Historically, yeah. yeah. It's passed down through generations. Yeah. It's going back to your point about, you know, if you grow up in the same area, this is what you learn. Yeah. It's all you know. I enjoy on program. And we're talking, we're doing this thing called transaction analysis about how you treat yourself and how you treat others. And he was making a brilliant point about, like, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong because my parents were drug addicts and they were allowing me to go out and steal. That wasn't against the law for me. Yeah, That's what he was exactly. saying. So he didn't, normal society would say that what he was doing was wrong, but he didn't see it as wrong. Yeah, you know? exactly. So when you, when you grow up in Black Rock, uh, I, I keep bringing up Black Rock. I know, yeah, Jesus. we're going to get a lot of leads. It's just a bad example, it's like, and it's not, like, it's not, like, I say I have a bit of a chip in my shoulder with them, yeah. but that's because, like, I feel like I get looked down on, by yeah. the way, I talk, dress, act, mm. you know, even though I know I'm a good jump, a good hat jump, like, when I'm around people, as per se, or from Black Rock, like, these type of areas, mm. I know I'm around, I can feel the energy off them, that they're like, He's a scrout, like, you yeah. know, like, why do we fail that off there? So that's, yeah. we're not actually slaying Black Rock, we're just... Yeah. Yeah, look, at it, it's, it's one of the most affiliated, oh, uh, sorry, well-off areas in the country. 
So we're going to have to use that as an example. Yeah. Oh, it's a pretty old fact. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be fighting out a lot of black rocks. <laughs> we'll we have all my money on turns. I'll show you the level number if you want me. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I'll follow <laughs> any man. But, um, yeah. But, right, so going back to you, how many people was in your family again to descend? Uh, one brother and three sisters. And three sisters? With a baby, yeah. I was the young, I was the spoiled young, youngest out of them all, yeah. Even now the sisters now have yeah, everyone? Yeah. The youngest. Get yeah. away with Mona. I, I did, yeah. yeah. I, I did, I was. I, did, I, did. I did. I'm still doing probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you get an extra rose for later on the Sunday, do not <laughs> I would have, uh, would have been the spoiled one now. My mum would have, I don't know, like, I grew up in the right time in Ballymore, like, um, we're John and my sisters and all, would have grew up in a crazy time in Ballymore, yeah. you know. Um, when the rave scene was all there, everybody was taking oh. XC, everybody was take, taking LSD, yeah, speed and everything. Like you know, yeah. cocaine was actually big back then, but it was like the drug, the drug with the rave scene came drugs, like, yeah. you know, and, and then obviously with trauma came addiction. So yeah, I, I suppose in many ways I was the the youngest, but like the one that could probably in a, I was in a, a group in an area where I could probably be more successful than the era that probably my brothers and sisters you had about that chance do you yeah, feel yeah. like your brothers and sisters their generation was the first that the drug wave hit yeah. and which it would have been you, yeah. then your generation could see the effect it was having on them but it was too late for them they were already gripped yeah yeah um, it's like technology now like you're, you're yeah, you give a child an iPad now and yeah. offline, you give yeah. a man an iPad, she hasn't a clear what's going on. Yeah, you're born with technology now, so it's, yeah, it's timing, I suppose, is huge. Like, yeah, and so you revert back to your brother, if you don't mind me asking, mm. he passed. Yeah. And um, when did he pass away? John passed in 2012. 2012, mm. so that's actually recent. Recent well. enough, yeah. Yeah, and he, he passed to an overdose, was John, it? Well, no, no, John. Um, I'll, I'll give you a bit of background on John. Yeah. So, so John and I oh, had uh, different biological fathers. Mm. And actually his father was from the inner city. Don't say funny. Yeah. You didn't have to mention that. <laughs> I did, I did, I did, because I'll tell you why now in a second. But John, he was, he, he had a few mates that played sport, wasn't really big into it. Um, his mate, One of his mates was a, uh, a good soccer player got signed for Liverpool. Another one was an all the boxer. Um, and as I said, at that time, you know, there was a lot of crime with drugs. That's yeah. what happens. And I suppose he and the two other lads started hanging out with this older group of guys who were probably more advanced in terms of experiment experimentation in terms of drugs. Mm. At the age of 14, they went into a lift and they, they took their force hit of heroin. One of the older guys put, put his hand out to people. was offered to them? And what age are they at? They were 14, oh. and he was a bit older, like, so that's what you would have seen about him. You see the older men walking around all the time, selling tablets out, wherever. And they didn't give a fuck what age they were. But at yeah. the time, Harriman wasn't what it is now, where you look at Harriman and you're like, fuck, they didn't back then. Back then, it was, like, back yeah. then, it was probably like a 50 bike clock, like, you yeah. know what I mean? They yeah. people now, yeah. Yeah. that's what yeah. yeah, you're right. But 14 yeah. is, yeah. is young. So he took his, took his force hit at 14, um, and then they are... You know, started experimenting even more with like drugs and the rave scene, as I said. But then at, at the age of like 17, 18, my brother was like six foot four, he was quite tall. Big fella. Yeah, he was kind of big boy. Yeah, I didn't get the, the genes for the height in anyway. <laughs> but he was very thin, and, and um, the drugs started to take a toll on his appearance and his voice as it does. 
sort of his work and he was a functional addict at, at that stage so he was able to pay for his heroin mm. you know which is two if you're really you know bad on heroin it's probably two or three bags a day mm. it probably equates to probably 20 30,000 euro a year so he's not so literally living the feet to have it yeah so he was waking up all the time now it was funny <clears> when I done uh, when I wrote the book um it was only when we were doing interviews with my mates, with his mates, sorry, that I realised that his first hit of heroin was at 14. Because my mum thought it was 16. Mm. Right. When one day they found a bit of tinfoil uh, behind a chair, look, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he was walking away, paying for his habit, starting this a couple of days, um, starting to show early signs that he was struggling, he was becoming an addict, and, and the, my mum and dad were worried at that stage. Mm. As you would, and then he lost his job because of it. So, what does a person that's struggling with addiction do next? They roll from the hole. Yeah. And uh, this is what we're seeing today, even not even just back then. Steals from the home. The mum and dad say, if we keep him here, he's going to take us forever. Yeah. Or him, so, he got evicted from the home. Yeah. On the streets. Um, and still, my mum never totally used tough love whereas I would have yeah that was my education you know being you know walk by him in the streets don't even say hello to him like you know um, that would get him off drugs mm. love the strongest thing we have as human beings surely that would get him off drugs yeah that shows you how powerful this, this heroin is and it shows you how powerful the problem John had and this comes to the inner city thing mm. um, so John would have uh, went into his dad with with my sisters and um, the sisters would have been brought into town and John would have been left isolated there in the house in the flat in right. and there was other occasions and I, I only heard this because I was a lot younger than him when I spoke to his mates yeah. and his mates would have went you know what do you think about you know when he was younger and there was you know the relationship with his dad and all that yeah. and I'd never really seen it because my dad came as that, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he never really, um, he never wanted for a father because my dad was there for him. Yeah, yeah so he had a father figure there. But like. that disconnection certainly had an impact on John and, and we knew then and there in his life that he struggled with schizophrenia. Um, but we had to send him over to London um, 2000 and uh, I think eight or nine because we were, a lot of his friends were overdosing and dying. Some of my mates were were overdosing and dying, mm. and we had to get him over to. We got him over to uh, my cousin. Got clean. Didn't know he wanted to get clean. That was the ultimate thing. He kind of hit rock bottom, and he was like, "No, I'm going to do this." And but unfortunately, he found it very hard to reintegrate into society because he looked like an addict. Yeah, he couldn't get a yeah. job, couldn't make new mates. Yeah, um, and ultimately, we connected with addicts because of that. Yeah, that's what we do. We, we incriminate people for personal use. We pushed him away and decided instead of pulling him back in, and he went back on heroin, and he, he was on that cycle of going on to methadone, heroin, methadone, heroin. Mm. And anybody you speak to that has come off methadone will tell you it's probably hard to come off methadone, but it yeah. is heroin. This is what yeah. I actually wanted to talk to you about. This really, mm. I think that's wrong. The way they handle heroin uh, use and how they try and get people off heroin by giving them methadone. I yeah. like. I think that has to be a better approach than. Just being like, you're a heroin addict, this is what you're doing, and you're queuing up outside clinics. And mm. I think clinics then, 
on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or whatever they so they sell like, 20 mils of it to the yeah, major and they're getting prescribed this off the doctor because they're on methadone crazy, and that itself then is yeah. its own little side industry so surely like what we're doing there is wrong but again I kind of touch back the governmental policies that they neglect people and they're just like you're this you're going into that queue and then we're going to move on this way like the, the only example I can give you that works really well in terms of methadone I would be sceptical about methadone because John used to have to go to break collect his weekly weekly allowance of methadone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you'd know when John was on methadone, as I said, he was quite tall. So if he was on heroin, he was thin. Yeah, was on methadone, they blow out. out. Yeah. yeah. So it, it didn't really, it, it, should, it should make the person functional enough that they can actually get a job and have some sort of accommodation. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea of methadone, make you functional. The crazy thing in Portugal is methadone is, because... They decriminalized drugs. They broke the stigma down and the shame around yeah. it, right? So you could you could see a van pull up any road, any area, and you'll see people walking towards it. And you'll see people that like look like addicts, some people that like, just walk, walk up to it in suits. Mm. And they're basically getting the methadone, right? They're driving off. So they're and there's people on these methadone programs for 15, 16 years and they're fine. Mm-hmm. then there's people that do it for a couple of months but it's it's important that what parts will do really well is they say well, okay this works for you let's 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 it's, do it and let's yeah, bring you yeah. off it but if it doesn't work for you we'll try something else yeah we'll maybe bring you into recovery accommodation or something like that mm-hmm. we don't really do that here no we're basically you're an addict here's your foy and you know, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. Seen, I've seen that first time so my man's husband was obviously on heroin for years growing up in that area and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then he's with my man probably 17 years now 16, 17 years and I've seen the effects of him on methadone then mm-hmm. for years and my god he was in a bad way look he'd yeah. take methadone and he'd come in he'd be oh talk 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 talk, talk. Yeah. hot yeah. cold sweats yeah. and he'd be in bits and he'd be guilting on the yeah. chair and it's like yeah. What the fuck? Like now, he's obviously changed his life around now. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, no methadone, yeah. clean of everything. But like, that's the same. Like I've seen the state that yeah. he was in on that for you know what I mean. And that's it's not a nice sight. You know yeah, what I mean? You, it, you nearly see them just on the gear yeah, itself. You know it's, that type it's, of way. Yeah, like, it's it's one and the same, really. Isn't it, it is. But as I said, like sometimes. There's just no real human connection with the whole exactly. process. Yeah, they need they, to. They don't look at the. They're, they're a statistic, not a person. Not they, a name. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, they need to look at the the not the addiction. They need to look at the person. Exactly. You know? Yeah. They don't need to look at oh, this guy's got heroin problems. They need to look at this guy and go, well, why does he have heroin problems? Yeah. Yeah. What is his issue? And then we need to put a wrap around, you know, a task yeah. wrap around. Them. Like, you know, yeah. it's not just about just one person. Give me a foy and off you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because what happens, what we do know, what happens is that basically, first of all, if you were to go through Ballymun, you'd see there's a red building, red brick building. It's called the kind of nickname the red brick, um, right beside an old boxing club. Same happens, and mm. that's where drug addicts or recovering addicts go in and get their methadone. You don't have to be smart to see the fellow with, this, with the, the brand new tracks you standing outside it. Exactly. Yeah, selling gear. It's there for a reason, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's the same on the kids. It's so yeah. dangerous, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, going from, let's say, someone takes heroin, they generally, when they go on to methadone, you know, 
they'll take it and they'll go, oh, it's not as strong as the heroin, it's not taking away the pain as much. Yeah, yeah. And then they top that up with other drugs, with tablets and everything else. Or yeah. else sometimes they see it as a way of making money. Mm. So they'll sell that. They'll sell it, yeah. yeah you know? So all of these that. things are kind of... It's not fixing it. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not, not fixing it. It's not addressing the problem either. Mm. So it's kind of, that's what I'm saying. It's like kicking the can down the road and it's like, this is how we've done it for the last yeah. X amount of years. We're going to continue to do it. Yeah, they reckon heroin addicts basically have around 10 years of a, of a kind of a maturity cycle mm. or you either die within that or else um, you get into recovery yeah. yeah and unfortunately we have the fourth highest overdose rate in Europe like so there's nearly one over one person dying a day from oh, and it, this, it's hell. weird because I do hear my mum and dad they're in their 50s and like they do talk about growing up because like they grew up in the same area obviously or they'd see someone mm. and they'd be like see him I used to hang around with his brother. He's dead. And his older brother, actually, he's dead as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What happened to him? Oh, he grinned the drugs and he died. So, yeah. like, they're talking about from when they were kids. Now, I'm yeah. not a kid now myself, yeah. but it's still a problem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, how the fuck, in, like, over 40 years, is this still going on? Because, like, we, we, don't, we don't fully understand mental health. We don't fully know how to deal with our emotions. You know, as human beings here in this country, um, and ultimately we haven't done anything to inf- in impact poverty. Like, yeah. Know? So it's generational cycles. Like I'll give you an example, and I, and I, did, I spoke about this. And I done a TED talk about um, in Mount Joy it was, and the best analogy I can give you is like Ireland is like a big massive pond, and in that big massive pond you have these dirty pockets that represent communities that are impoverished. And within those dirty pockets in this pond, you have dirty fish. Mm. And them dirty fish represent people that don't fit in into our social norms or cultural uh, standards that we have, right? So, so along the way, then, these fishes are met with things to try push them in a certain way, like a certain pathway. So mm-hmm. school is one. Don't, you don't do well in school. Okay, you can probably go off and do a apprentice or a training course or whatever, right? But it, generally, if you don't engage in skills, you get, you know, you're, you start getting into antisocial behaviour outside of school, you know, mission from school, all that sort of stuff, right? So that's the first thing. Now, if you, if, as I said, if you're not academic, you don't like school, and you start messing and committing crime and taking drugs and experimenting, eventually, if you become someone that struggles with drug addiction, at the age of, you know, 16 to 18, you'll end, you'll end up in a place called Aubrey's yeah. It used to be St. Pat's in yeah, yeah. Now that costs the, the extractor €340,000 a year. Per person. Per person. Yeah. Right? What? Yeah. Okay. So €22 million Euro running the cost facility, right? And those young people generally are going to want the prison. Right? Mm. The studies are showing they're going to want the prison, right? Another €90,000 a year for each prisoner in, in adult prison. So that's their filters. School is a filter. If you don't fit in, we'll try filter you to fit in. Oberstown, child attention centre. You don't fit in, we'll try filter you. Prison, the biggest filter. We'll try filter you, get you back into society and you'll be law-abiding citizen. They're all broke. No, it don't work. School is, <coughs> shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all. You know, you shouldn't be spending 340 grand a year on, on someone that commits crime, a young person. And the biggest, the dirtiest filter of all is prison. Yeah. Because, as you said earlier on, those people that went to prison never took drugs in their life and they're going to come out or connect with other criminals that know different things as well. Yeah. So, but the special thing, lads, is 
if you can get one of those fish and you can clean them and you know prove that filter when you dip them back into that dirty pocket in the pond there's a ripple effect yeah and i'll give you an example i'm an example of that Mm-hmm. So I should have based off, and there's loads of people. You are probably that as well. I don't know. Just saying there. it, we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, these people. I didn't want to be real, but yeah. like, but think about it. I, I I'm like that now. That's the way you you know you said earlier on why you do these things because because it gives you a bit more of a purpose in life. You know that you can stop people going through the the experiences you and your family went through with mm-hmm. losing a little. Mm-hmm. So you know, for me. If you can be somebody like what you are doing now, which is our, your your podcast, and educating people around these areas, that's dropping a, a fish into the pond, and it's it's having a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to use my sporting profile to help people that are in, you know, in need of. Yeah, so that's what a lot of people will probably say after this. That we have Philly McMahon there, but a chat, and they'll probably go, Oh, GAA legend. Yeah, this kind of, well, that's not what he looked at. We, no, looked at. Is born. <laughs> we wouldn't be the biggest fans, but we're listening to GAA. Yeah, look at six in a row. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like, like we seen you as a person to come in and educate because we might yeah. learn so much yeah. today about drugs, about blading addiction, mental health, all this type of thing, you know, the type of way. Sorry, I'm laughing, but we told uh, one or two people, now we, we like to keep the cards close to our chest, they yeah. were going to have on, but we told the close ones. that you're going to be on, and they were like, no way, have you reached out to this person and that person? And I was like, who are they? They were like, they play for Dublin as well. <laughs> and I goes, I didn't reach out to Philly because he plays for Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not even asking him to take a 45. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No, because we know your background and what you're doing to help and communities and world-class areas. And but look, it, the great thing is, lads, there's, there's a community starting to develop. Definitely. Yeah. You, you know, you have Jen on. Yeah. You know, you just, you get that buzz straight away. You know the, the energy. It's about energy. Like, yeah. You know, when you die, what do you want to be remembered for? Not much money you had, what clothing you had, what exactly. cars you had. What energy do you get the world? We like a good tracksuit, though. Yeah. So, yeah, listen. <laughs> free one. A free tracksuit is not where we are. But, do you yeah. think, Philly, as a society, we're moving quicker than the legislation is? Um, well, Air attitudes are changing well, quicker than... Well, here's the thing. There's no, there's no body I see in the political world that are willing to um, sacrifice their political career to change legislation. Just... So what America did, which is the biggest pro- one of the biggest prohibitionist countries in the world, is the people... A referendum. Hmm. So, so what needs to happen now is people that are need change. I'm not saying we should legalize, but we need something different. Do you know the policy now? You're caught with personal use. Personal use. And um, did they not change if I, if you're caught with, uh, with? Did they not change it? If you're caught with with drugs now, it's a three strike policy. Right. Well, sorry, you talking about Ireland, not America. Ireland. Ireland. No, no, no. But it's a three strike policy now. So basically, if you're caught with personal use of drugs. Get slapped in the wrist the first time. Yeah. Second time, slap in the wrist fourth time. You get charged. Yeah. Right now, think about that for a second. First of all, when has a guard ever stopped somebody on drugs? As in, like, as in, I stopped taking drugs because a guard arrested me. Yeah. Have you ever heard? Yeah. That's not the case. Never no. happened. No. No. And the other thing is, when has somebody stopped taking drugs after three attempts? Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. that's really struggling. The vulnerable people, the ten percent we're talking about. So, so that's what we have right now. Our policy is. Nonsense, nonsense. Oh, yeah, doesn't actually, make any sense. I'm not just interrupted. I know somebody, and it, you might laugh at this, but they got a summons to court 
because they were caught with five euro quantity of cannabis. Yeah. Five like euro. Yeah. Five euro. Like what? And I said that's, that's, that's taken like, in terms of the... That how, how does that copper think when he goes to lock that in the system that someone will look at that and say, well done, pal. Yeah. Like, what's five euro? A joint? You yeah. cost someone, you cost someone smoking a joint and you're actually going to take them up the court. The crazy thing yeah. is, like, and, and this is not obviously factual, but like, let's say he didn't smoke that joint or let's say he went and had a few points yeah, yeah. and got in the car and drove down the road and killed somebody yeah, yeah. or got locked in the pub and hit someone with a glass. Yeah, yeah. There's a high, when they legalized in Colorado and Washington, D.C., there was a bit of a jump in terms of people taking that's the experimenting you know, stage. Yeah, they're going to go, oh, it's free now. Yeah. Take it. But it also stems from people going from alcohol to, to marijuana. Because mm-hmm. instead of going to the pub and getting locked and all the things that come with that, they just chilled out in the house. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying, I've never smoked a drug in my life. I'm not saying there is harms to all drugs. Yeah, definitely. To most drugs. You can abuse anything. How much of anything is going to be bad Yeah, if you eat too many carrots, you can change the colour of your skin, and that's a fact. <laughs> you can change the colour of your skin, so you can abuse everything out there. Yeah. I won't try that. No, <laughs> don't recommend but it. But go back to the legislation <laughs> thing. Yeah, go back to the legislation thing. If we, as a people, come together and we educate, we educate the, the, the population on what we should be doing, or what's damaging to us. And what's going to happen now is we see the knife crime increasing in the NRC, we'll see fuels, all of these things are starting to ramp up. Yeah. And, and what's that yeah, stem from? It's sort of like control and legislation and regulation. Yeah. yeah. But know, drugs is the, yeah. the main. Drugs, any scourge topic you see in society is stemmed probably down to mental health force, um, not being able to deal with drug addiction and then obviously, yeah. um, you know, creating a market for drug dealers to accept. Mm, yeah, that's what we have right now. If you were to say to me, Philly, if you were to create a policy to uh, create a drug trade, it'd be the current one we, got, we have right now. Mm. Right. Well, that's an absolute experience. Yeah. There's <laughs> so much more we actually wanted to touch on. I know you have to shoot off now. He's a busy you. man, yeah. But I suppose uh, the one question I actually said to you, Terence, I have to ask. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to switch it up here a bit. Yeah. Now, eight all islands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, number one question is why do cultists hate the dubs? Everywhere I go, yeah. growing up. Ah, look, it happens. It happens in sport. Like you know, they didn't hate us as much as they do now. When I first got on the team, because oh, what is that? All right. better you when you got on the team. I'm on the team 14 years now. So uh, when I got on the team, we hadn't won an All Ireland in. It was 15 or 16, well, sorry, 2008 I got on the team, we won it in 2011, so 1, 2, 3, 4, so um, 12 years, when I first got on the team, we hadn't won an all-around 12 years, yeah. people didn't really like, give a shit, we weren't, we were kind of quarter-finals and semi-finals, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and even when we won the all-around, there was a lot of people that were like, you know, in, from the country or from the north, were like, oh, that's, you know, we wanted the dogs to win, that. Yeah. but then... Yeah. There was a snowball effect when you get winning, you know, and, and that's ultimately why. And, and the Dublin fans probably don't help either, they rub it in a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm a bandwagon, I'm a bandwagon at the hits. I'd be like straight away, I'd be like rocking into walk, like, right, he'll be playing in the semi final. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll we'll be, like, yeah. be in the final at the Lancers, yeah, and I'd still be saying, you know what I mean? Do you know what? Just glad that that new uh, the new laws come in around social media and around you know technology um, that you can't abuse somebody online as well. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. show any kind of sexual kind of 
imagery now or you know so I think that's that's gonna help a little bit but the abuse you get on would you put something up about the social work I'm doing and someone will jump on about about all Ireland I'm like yeah. just give it a rest yeah 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 because anywhere they go really in the country yeah and they, they just recognise and you'd be like they don't, my board so actually when I go down there they'd be like oh, oh whole boyfriend's the dog like you know what I mean yeah, yeah. what the fuck <laughs> <fuck? laughs> I just don't care I said I'd say this now. She's from Wexford, right? Right, right. So they last won in all Ireland and Holland in '96, and they still play that poxy song, dancing at the crossroads. <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking sick of it. I do cringe the bit. It's like we're on the van for them, you know what I mean? We used to walk. I can't say we used to walk for. Yeah, I get in trouble. But it was a, a state-owned company, yeah, a state yeah. entity, and. Limerick won the all Ireland and Holland. What was that? Twenty seven, eight, eighteen. Yeah. And recently, recently, yeah. Last year they won it as well. They, yeah, as yeah. well. But they, this was the time <laughs> yeah, before that. <laughs> this was the time before that. Yeah. And the whole staff from Limerick took the week off, right? Jeez. They were gone. It was a ghost town. I was like, what? So when they came back up that Monday, I was getting the bus and one of the boys. I was like, sorry, Riley, I was on the rip for the week. And he's like, oh, boy, I tell you. And he's crying and all that. I was like, are you winding me up? Because Limerick won in all Ireland. It's a religion thing. Yeah, yeah, Do you know what I yeah. mean? Oh, they look at that. People are thinking you'd be like, hey, down there, but you're loved. Like, not yeah. loved as in like a carry player, but people yeah. are respected. Yeah. Yeah. And they come up and talk to you. Yeah. And, they you bleed. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember. I know what It's not number one sport in Dublin, I don't think. Ah, it is. Well, what's, what's ahead of it? I think football, soccer. I think. Soccer? Yeah. So, would you reckon any of the, like, I've worked with soccer clubs in Dublin, by the way, would you would you reckon any of their fan base would, would fill Crow Park? No. They well, yeah, I know, I know where you're coming from, but think I think... more clubs, soccer clubs? I think there's clubs? more younglers playing soccer oh. than there is playing... That's just my personal opinion, more, from what I've seen. Be more, you, you think about it, right? Um, you, could, you could round off all the clubs... You know, soccer clubs around yeah. here. Yeah. Now, Sheriff. Mm. Kevin's. Shout out to Sheriff, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was Belvedere when I was younger. Um, but, guy, you wouldn't be able to solve anyone. Yeah. In a city, like, it's, it's struggling in the inner city. Guys. Yeah. That's what. Well, I'm surrounded by four or five clubs that are yeah. like top clubs, like, yeah. Fina, Aird's yeah. Oil, Vincent's. Um, they're all like, teams that have won all Ireland's. Like, yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, I don't know, I'd say the participation levels. Um, it could be higher based off the population, but I'd say it could be wrong. Soon, there's there's something that you might be yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, we put it out there. Yeah, we we'll ask the question. Yeah. favourite one I always go back to. So you know this sh- stupid notion of splitting Dublin in two. You know, <laughs> yeah. like a North Dublin team and a South yeah. Dublin team. That's yeah. what. That's a lot of bollocks, really. Well, not the argument is population, but, but it's a lot of bollocks. Let's be real. Yeah, that is. I don't agree with that. So, what I always say to that is what's going to happen in the All Ireland final? It'll be North Dublin versus South Dublin. And the population thing, what's a one over a million people live in Dublin? How many of them are coaches? How many of them would actually play for Dublin if you were given the chance? They'd say no. But they, they, I wouldn't, yeah. I'd be fucking shown down in Clare and all. You know what I mean? This forced me to say, but like the most successful county in football. It's Kerry. Kerry, yeah, and their population is a lot lower than here. Yeah, like, you know, and, and Kilkenny have been one of the the most in uh, successful in Holland. My club, Ballymun Kickham's, people think is actually quite a big club. It's actually really small in terms of the membership base, and we won the Dublin Championship last year. So there's a lot of New Zealand to the All Blacks, yeah. you know. Yeah, so successful oh, I think that there's clubs in Astros. The salt, yeah, well, there is. <laughs> yeah, and, and then 
like you, you have some guys that are good at maths and statistics and all that talk but at the end of the day 15 people go on the pitch and they pay another 15 people yeah, yeah exactly and it doesn't matter how much money you have in your back pocket you can yeah. win or lose that game yeah you yeah. know so it's it, it's ah uh, look it, it's it's a it's a lot of journalism that are trying to put a kind of a bit of a spin off because you can't just keep saying Dublin are great and they're brilliant and yeah. they play well so there's a lot of spin off doesn't fit the agenda no, it just puts a negative spin off on, on the whole thing, you know. Yeah, right. Well, so no, Billy, we, we could probably could have talked to you about another hour. And and we know we are love busy, it, man. So we might get you back in again. Hopefully, but yeah. you're a hard man to get a Do hold. You know what? I for the time you got back in again. After I hear the abuse you were giving me before I came in, you might get me. <laughs> it could have been worse. Could have been worse. I reckon by the time we roll around to get you back in again, we'll be hard men to get a hold of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's hear Philly. Thanks very much for coming. No, we do in. appreciate it. That was insightful. Well, I reckon they do. Thanks very much. And so now, the one thing I was thinking, um, like the branding of it, like. Talkabolics, like it's a, it's yeah. a really good brand, but it's out and book Talkabolics. Yeah, yeah Talkabolics a little bit now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's out and book. Like any of the podcasts I've listened to, that's the people you've had on. It's real stories, real people. But that's what we're trying to do. It was just a play on words. Like, listen, when you sit down at the kitchen yeah. table having a dinner with your family, yeah. what are you talking about? Ah, they're all talking bollocks. Yeah. When I see Michael Martin on the telly, and he's, he's giving a speech. He's talking bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. Talkin very good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'll give you a funny one. When we came out with the name before we actually had an episode, yes. someone reached out to us and says, "Lads, you should change the name of that. Right. People won't believe it. Yeah. They'll think won't take you serious." Mm. And I goes, "All right, thanks for the feedback." And he goes, "You should call it <laughs> talking serious stuff with a funny side." And I was like, "Jesus Christ!" That's going for about ten weeks. It's like a full of alcoholics. Listen, thanks again. No really, it was a pleasure. Cheers, after. The hip knocker. Go down, go down, go down.